Welcome to the Rethink ELA podcast, hosted by English language arts teacher, Michelle Waters. Prepare to receive strategies, products, and expert advice tailored to help teachers build social awareness, student agency and voice in their ELA classrooms. Welcome to the Rethink ELA podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters. For years, I've enjoyed telling my students that I have entered the United States, but I've never left. Depending on the population I'm teaching, I can often stand back and watch as wheels in their heads turn, trying to figure out the riddle. Eventually, someone will say, wait, you weren't born in the United States? Then I tell them about how my dad was in the military and stationed overseas, which is why I was born there. But in all the years of hearing my parents' stories about the time that my dad spent in the military and about my birth, it never occurred to me that I was a military kid. My guest in this episode, Dr. Jenny Hanna, both challenges us to redefine who is considered a military student and rethink how we serve them in our ELA classes. I'll be back with our interview after these messages. Looking for ideas this summer to help you engage students in reading in your classroom? I've got your back. I am updating the new curated short stories library with on-demand professional development to help you create your own lesson plans using what you know about your students and our resources. The library also includes an entire year of short story resources we have curated just for you. Who needs new textbooks? Not you. With our curated short stories library, you have links to PDF and or Word files of the short stories you need for your students. Even better, no more hunting for videos or audios to engage your students' interests. I have curated these resources for you and included them in an easy-to-access system on the Rethink ELA website. Just log into your account and download the resources you need to your computer, upload them to your school's private course management system, or display them on your classroom interactive board. Not a member yet? Just go to RethinkELA.com slash curated library and join us. Welcome back to the Rethink ELA podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Boyd-Waters, and today I have Jenny Hanna with me. She has written a book that I think will be very interesting to many of you, and so um, I'm going to turn it over to Jenny. Hi, everyone. Uh, as Michelle said, my name is Jenny Hanna. Um, I teach uh, ELA for secondary and collegiate students in Lawton, Oklahoma, and I used my research that I did for my doctorate on working with military kids, since we're right outside Fort Sill, uh, to go ahead and do that as some research to be able to see how to be able to support these students, and it was kind of some interesting research the more that I shared about it. So we decided to convert that into a book. Um, so yes. that has been kind of helpful here to be able to support the students in the community that we live in. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I introduced you, I said your name, and then I was, wait a second, I should have said Dr. Jenny Hanna, because you worked <laughs> hard for that. <laughs> and I know, because I'm working hard on mine now. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's okay. It's it's the only title that I make the kids sure that they use for me. But all my colleagues, I'm just Jenny. Alrighty. Sounds good. So, um, actually, it seems like this is a perfect time to release your book because April is the month of the military child? Yes. So, that is a uh, federal designation. And in Fort Sill, we don't actually have a DOD school, but we do have a school on Fort Sill itself 
where only the students of the soldiers will end up going there. But it's still a part of Lawton Public Schools. And they actually won um, a federal award for supporting military students. So it's wow. very important here in the community in southwest Oklahoma where I teach. But yeah, April, month of the military child. Awesome. So um, you were talking to me about your book, and as I was reading through it, um, and as you know, like we, like I said, as we were talking to each other earlier, um, you kind of helped me redefine who is a military child. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think a lot of people have the mind frame or the idea of the stereotypical military kid that packs up every two to three years and moves to a new location because mom or dad's job is incumbent upon that. But it's much broader than just that. We have a tendency to think of only active duty soldiers and the children of active duty soldiers as claiming that title of military child. When the students of, or the children, excuse me, of National Guard and reservists, of veterans, um, of anybody who is working civil service and their job is working to support military, but in the civilian realm, or government contractors as well, too. They are all connected to the military. So when we start thinking of that definition, it has to be expanded because the military leaves such an indelible mark on the family simply because it asks a lot of the soldiers and the workers that, that help to support our national defense. And some of that bleeds over into the ways in which families are structured. So when I first started researching this, it just had such a narrow window of that. Um, in addition, I have several students that I teach that I can see that they are military connected in some way, but they don't view themselves as a military kid, even though it's impacting them and they are completely unaware of it. So that expanded definition allows us to kind of join them all together in a big community. Right. So what kind of, what did you notice that helped you realize that the kids were military connected? Well, really, it first started with my own son. So my husband and I are both soldiers, or we were. He, we are, he's uh, now civil service and I am just uh, retired, or not retired, excuse me, a veteran, not retired. <laughs> I would love to have a retirement paycheck, but that's not occurring anytime soon. Um, but... <laughs> My own son, even though he grew up with dad serving two tours in Iraq, my husband got out of being an active duty soldier when my son was five. So yeah. to him, that was very young and he doesn't really remember a lot of it. So even though we are still connected to it because my husband is working as a, a civil service employee on Fort Sill and all of these pieces impacted those very early years of his life he still doesn't view himself as the same as the other traditional military kids that sit in classrooms with him who may have only been at our high school for one or two years. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many times I tried to explain to him, no, this impacted us as we grew up, as you grew up, he didn't yeah. quite see that. So I realized that redefinition was important because it, it hit my own family personally. Absolutely. I know as we talked about before in my family, my father was in the air force and he mm -hmm. got out when I was probably about three or four years old. Mm -hmm. But because he was in the air force, I was actually born in another country. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have always felt a connection, you know, to that other country, even though I wasn't there for very long. And that wouldn't have happened if my father hadn't have been in the Air Force. Absolutely. It doesn't matter the duration or the length. It's the it's the fingerprints that being a part mm-hmm. of the military culture leaves on who you are and how your family structure is based. And they are they are very indelible fingerprints. They just are because the military itself is such an impressive community to be a part of. Absolutely. So you've redefined what a military child is. You've identified the kids in your classroom. How does that, what does that mean for you as a teacher? Well, I mean, when it comes to being a teacher, I know that I'm given a chance to kind of create this space where compassion and character are more likely to develop, but those don't happen without some form of intentionality. So my classroom may be made up of those four walls, but it's a place where I have to have authentic learning occur. And that doesn't happen if I don't get a chance to know the students that are in there, all the facets that make them. And so that comes from building those student-teacher relationships. So the more that you know about the students in your classroom, the more important it is. And so that has always been a cornerstone of how I've approached education. But this, I found, was one of those forgotten facets which is why I call the book Forgotten Conscripts. Mm-hmm. These students have, have just as many needs because of their connection to the military, but it's very invisible in the classroom and you don't know it because military kids don't wear anything that outwardly pronounce that they are a member of the military. There's no accent that they have. There's no specific clothing. It's not a hairstyle. It's nothing that you can see on the surface. So that has to come through that intentionality of getting to know students. So living in a military community, in Lawton Public Schools, we are over 25% plus military-connected students. So it's a huge population that we have, but yet we, we don't really have a whole lot of professional development here for it. We've got some support for students. We kind of liaison with Fort Sill, but it just isn't as... I don't feel that for the size of the population, the level of education and professional development we have as educators really was touching on that. So that was a huge gap for me. And as someone who is working on their doctorate right now, you understand that those gaps are areas where we can can shine a light and really make a change. And that was the big thing for me. So as you were shining that light, was there anything that you discovered that maybe surprised you? I think the biggest epiphany that I had with all of this research, and I remember it so clearly because I even said it when I was defending this to my committee, was how excited I was when I figured out what I felt was the identity of the military child through all of these interviews with these nine military-connected students that that I interviewed for the book. And when I told my husband about them, he kind of blew it off in a sense of, wow, you didn't know these things already? And I realized I did because I'm already connected to this culture. I grew up as a military brat myself. I was a military spouse and supported my husband through two tours in Iraq. We raised a military kid. I teach them. My son is in the Air Force now, so now I'm a military mom. 
if there's a hat in the military, I had it. So of course I knew this, this research. And for a second there, I was like, oh, I wasted all this money on this whole degree (laughs) and everything because I, I essentially found something that was already known. And that was the problem is I was framing my reference on me and not on the other educators that I work with, because I may know what military culture, how it impacts us and what it's like to grow up in this, in this society. But the teachers that I work with did not. And the teachers who are not close to a military base like Fort Sill in Oklahoma, they absolutely do not, unless somehow they've had some connection to it. So that, that is the biggest thing that I kind of really figured out when I did shine that light. My research wasn't for me in a way unconsciously, I knew all of the things that were in my research. I just needed to have the voice of the, of the students, of the, of the military-connected adolescents to actually bring that to, to, to real light for everyone else, essentially. Absolutely. So how will this book and what you have in the book benefit, you know, teachers out there? Like I was, you know, I was in a rural community and maybe in a suburban community and, you know, you look and you realize, okay, I've got some kids that are in the military. What, how, how can this book help me in that context? So the book focuses on several of the interviews and the ways in which they help talk about how their connection to the military how they perceive it defines them as a student Mm -hmm. and also as an adolescent growing up, but also the ways in which they felt they wished their teachers knew exactly what it was like to grow up as a part of this culture. And then also some advice that they could possibly offer for other military connected students. In all the research that I found when I started looking into this, there's an overwhelming focus on the elementary age, which is important. Foundationally, as educators, we know that those elementary grade levels and the education they receive there is so important as they progress through the rest of their formative educational years. But the research for military kids kind of stopped about age 12. And I think there was this unspoken understanding that, well, these kids have grown up under this, this type of, of culture, under these types of families, that they're old hats at this at this point. They're resilient enough to just basically handle anything. And so we talked about them a little bit, but the one big gap was that no one talked with the military students. No one asked the military-connected students, how do you feel about having to move up to six to nine times more than the average student? civilian? What does it feel like to deal with parental absence and knowing that there's a possibility mom or dad might not come back from a deployment? What is it like to have to take on additional responsibilities when move happens or when there is a deployment? What is it like to reunite a family that has been pulled apart for months and sometimes even years And then even that, what if your parent doesn't come back the way that they left, whether it is physically, whether it is mentally. And I know that at the elementary age, we need to take the time to break down this understanding for them. But that doesn't mean that the the secondary level students don't need that same consideration and understanding. We got to know what it feels like for them as well because they have been thrown almost into an adulthood type level 
at a very young age. Yeah. And not only are they having to deal with that, but then the normal teenage changes that you have to deal with. Yes, it's just another layer on chaos that is adolescence that we never Mm -hmm. want to have to go back to. You could never pay us enough money to go back and be teenagers again. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) If you, you know, you have military kids in your classroom or, you know, teachers have them in their classroom. What have you noticed about the kids kind of individually and as a whole and kind of how do kids handle being part of the military and how do you, how does, how does that come out in the classroom? I guess I'm trying to ask. Well, overwhelmingly they are very resilient, which is easy to understand why people go, Oh, they'll just handle it just fine because technically they are, they really have figured out a way to be able to navigate through this world. And oftentimes it is for the better, but that doesn't mean that there aren't necessarily ones that have more struggle with this. Another book that probably was the most seminal book on military kids was published almost 30, 31 years ago um, by the same publisher of my book. It was Mary Edwards Virch's Military Brats, and she researched 80 military-connected children who grew up during the World War II, Korean War, Vietnam era war. She asked them to reflect back on the research that they looked at, or excuse me, she researched and asked them to reflect back on their formative years as a military kid. And so she talked about this notion of kids are either what we call screamers or wallflowers when it comes Mm -hmm. to military adolescence, that they adamantly want you to know that they're a military kid, that they are worldly, they are global, that they have moved other places, and they will tell you those things. But there is a fair amount of them that just are looking to survive. And so they become the wallflowers, the quiet ones that will sit there, do their work. They will not offer as much, but that they are this intrinsically motivated person because they know at any given time where they're at could be pulled the next time mom or dad gets orders to move someplace else. So they keep people at distance to avoid having to say goodbye. Yeah. So they, there's, there's that tendency to kind of do that as well, but you have to understand that every single person does it a little differently. So trying to say, well, they'll all just let you know if they're military kids. Well, if that was true, I wouldn't have to go and find the research on these students to be able to do that. They kind of play their cards close to the vest sometimes. So yeah. it, it takes the time to know that they might not always tell you that they are a military kid. So you have to ask, you have to get to know them when they come into your classroom. So what are some things that I, as a classroom teacher, need to take into consideration or some things that I need to do in my classroom to ensure that I am caring for my military kids? So probably the biggest burden that a lot of I, a lot of students talked about when they were talking about moving as an adolescent um, was some of the advantages and aggravations that came along with being a military kid. And so some of those advantages, of course, are access to adequate health care. Um, that is a consistent thing. Um, you all have housing which we know uh, students that are unhoused, that's, that's a turmoil that we can't necessarily overcome. Um, They always will know that they have a culture behind them that will support them. But some of these aggravations that come with it, um, probably one of the biggest ones was the student athletes or those ones that are trying out for those 
big scholarships for college. Mm -hmm. If you have not really established a, a resume of excellence because you have moved three times throughout your high school career, that becomes difficult to be able to, to showcase yourself in the best light because coaches might not be as willing to, to put you out in a key position on the basketball court because you might move next year. So we got to learn how to be able to understand that as well. Whereas if I'm trying for a major scholarship at a local university, my resume and my name in the community is not as well established as someone who's lived there their entire lives. So yeah. those are connections that they don't necessarily have. And so that is, that is probably, I think, one of the, the biggest takeaways that I think a lot of parents, parents, excuse me, that teachers <laughs> could figure out because you got to have a time where they can find a way to shine as well, too, despite the fact that they're brand new to our community. Yes. And so how could that look in an English language arts class? So in an English language arts class, which is the best class to teach, you get a chance to really make connections from the words on the page to the experiences that they have in their lives. And you get a sense of that in history, but there aren't that many people that are, you know, necessarily identifying with, you know, the, the Battle of 1812. That's not happening. But if we read something like The Great Gatsby, where I have a main character who is coming into a new setting and trying to establish themselves, albeit in a very interesting way, as Jay Gatsby did, um, yeah. that is something that I can liken back to what it's like to be a military student to come into a new community and try to find your place in that society. So that is a very unique thing. There's so many stories and texts that we can use that help connect to real experiences. And then when I can get military students to share and explain that with their fellow peers, then they get that window to view that as well, like Rudine Sims Bishop talked about, that window to view into someone else's culture. So English language arts, that's a huge one. Yeah, and then that kind of sets the military kid up as an expert and somebody for the other kids to learn from, so that kind of can build their confidence as well. Absolutely, and it ties them to, the even if it's just the classroom community that you've created for the 50 minutes that you have them, there's a connection there and they feel that that acceptance and that is probably the most un, unknown thing that they probably don't even realize that feeling as though you're always perpetually the outsider. So this does help. And I'm also you know, sitting here thinking that, you know, finding young adult literature that's written more recently that maybe features, you know, um, kids moving or even military kids mm -hmm. could be beneficial as well. Absolutely. There, there's always going to be ways in which you can find literature that's going to speak to that experience. But anytime that there is a character that feels like they are an outsider in their setting, that's always going to be something that, in, at least in my community, being so heavy populated with military families, the notion that that is kind of the life of the military child. Yeah. All right. So where can we buy your book? 
So you can get the book, of course, on big sellers like Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. Um, if you Google Forgotten Conscripts, it'll take you there. It's got a full long title. You know, they always make us have these big titles. Forgotten Conscripts, Understanding the Needs of Military Connected Adolescents. So, but Forgotten Conscripts is just good enough. Um, you can also purchase it directly from Roman and Littlefield, the publisher's website. I believe there is also an ebook version on the two main platforms with Amazon and Barnes and Noble too, if that's more your speed. Absolutely. And I'll also include a link in the show notes. So if you just want to click there and buy the book, you'll be able to do that too. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and I will be speaking to you again. All right. Sounds wonderful. I appreciated it. And thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Rethink ELA Podcast. I'm Michelle Waters, and I can't wait to give you a few resources I've developed to help you create a student-centered, collaborative, and creative learning environment. Download these resources when you join our mailing list at rethinkela.com news.